afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to Behind the Veil, a show that provides insight into the world of weddings. My name is Keith Willard. I'm your host and a, the creator of the show, as well as an event planner here in South Florida. Today, we're going to be talking about bridal expos and wedding associations. And obviously, now more than ever, these things are more important to businesses in order to be able to survive, not thrive. And that's actually going to be one of the topics that we talk about, how to survive at, during 2020 so that way we can thrive in 2021. And one of those ways um, is a wedding expo, and another way is to maximize your associations. And we have two great guests to talk about both of those perspectives. But before we get to them, let me introduce Marcy Gutenberg with an affair to remember by Marcy. Hi, Marcy. Hi, Keith. How are you doing? It's good to see you. I'm good really good. looking forward to the, today's guest. Same here. We, to see it too. Right. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. So the first one of our guests is Karen Lee, who is the president and owner of Florida Wedding Expo, Your Wedding TV and Perfect Wedding Guide Central Florida. She has been an integral part of the wedding industry since 2004 as producer of Your Wedding TV video platform and Florida Wedding Expo events in multiple Florida markets. She is a highly respected uh, person for her marketing expertise, innovative and creative concepts, and for leading the industry with marketing events that consistently bring a return on investment and exceed expectations. Karen, it is great to have you on the show. Hi, how is everybody? Good. And it's even better with you here. So this is this is awesome. I'm really, really looking forward to our conversation because, you know, one of the things is a lot of people wonder if, you know, bridal expos are worth it. And so um, I'm looking forward to learning more about that. But to help us along this journey, also, I'd like to introduce uh, Kevin Dennis, who is, has a deep love and respect for the education and seeks to develop a hub of information and opportunities for the industry as he embarks on his latest ende endeavor at Wedding IQ. Kevin, it's great for you to be a part of this. Thank you so much for joining Behind the Veil. Excited to be here. And then, of course, Brooke Logan Stoner, who just popped in at the last minute. Hello, Brooke. <laughs> She's I like, have Hi. a helicopter in my ears. Did someone say my name? Oh, there it goes. I was so nervous. I'm like, oh, no, I can't hear anything. And normally I'm second, so yeah, I'll be yeah. last today. Yeah, well, you I was jumped late in for at the, the last day. minute. All right, Hello, so everyone. welcome new people. Yeah, yeah welcome new Hi. people. All right, so today we're going to be talking about how to survive, obviously, as as a, an event company in 2020 to be able to to then thrive in 2021. And one of those ways that a lot of people hear about and, and experience are wedding expos. So, Karen, can you tell us a little bit about your specific wedding expo? Sure, sure. Happy to. So we are the Florida Wedding Expo. We do shows. Um, we're based in Orlando, Florida. We, we're in our 17th year of doing shows, and we do shows around Florida. So we are in several different markets, including Tampa, also South Florida. And we have several, in a normal year, we have several shows a year, sometimes anywhere between usually around eight, eight to 10 sometimes. So this year, of course, has been a little different all the way around. Yeah. Um, we had an event on March 8th in uh, Miami, which Keith, you were there. And it was. <laughs> we all were, you know, it was very tentative the week or so leading up to it as things started to kind of brew and really, you know, become worrisome. And yeah. I thought we were going to probably have to cancel that event. We were able to have it. And then literally the world shut down four days later. <laughs> I, and I remember because we were all there kind of going, okay, we were listening to all the, the rumor mills, so to speak, and thinking, yeah. you know, are they really going to shut everything down? And 
we could have never ever like predicted what we're right. what what has happened and yeah. you know and so i was thrilled because i to be honest i got i was able to get a get a client which was doubly important for that revenue considering it was four days before the world shut down but you know and kevin you know i i was looking at weddingiq.com and i see that it's it's a obviously a website to help i i'm assuming uh, wedding businesses learn more about how to survive can you tell us a little bit about that endeavor Sure. Um, it was something we I, I took the ownership of it about five years ago, and um, we basically are B2B. So we have different themes every month, and we're just here to raise the level of the industry, the wedding industry, to give us some legitimacy. So that's what we're here for. Okay. So if you're, if you're a business, right, and you've had to deal with all that has happened in the last year, you know, what, what, what would be the very first thing that you think would be the next piece of priority for you to survive this? You know, Karen, what do you think is the most important thing for a company to kind of keep in mind in order to survive this? What what do you feel like is like the best way? Yeah. So, I mean, I think being in the most, having the most visibility you possibly can, um, what online um, you know, social media, internet, there's lots of targeted media for if it's the bridal industry, for the wedding industry that you can be part of. Um, and then also the shows as, you know, we're, we're able to do these shows still um, in some markets. Being in Florida, we're lucky that we do have the flexibility that we have where some states don't have that. And some states are just not even able to have that at this point in time. Right. But we were able to do a show in September and we have another one coming up in January. We were at a huge venue, which was the Orange County Convention Center. And because of that, we had the space to accommodate people, which is what I hear about events. You know, if they ha- if the event has 250 people, if you're at a venue where they have the space to now just put you in a bigger space to accommodate right. that, it can still happen. Right. So that's what benefited us was that we already have those relationships and those venues that we work with. So we actually had an event in September with close to 1500 people attending and mm-hmm. the safety protocols that went into making that happen were incredible. And I could have planned 10 shows in the time it took to do that. <laughs> that kind of answers your question too, it's not normal. It's not, you know, even for the event planner or the, the, you know, at that level of producing those events, it's different. And you're going to have to put a lot more time and effort and work into these details that are going to help it facilitate it and make it happen. And it might be a smaller event, you know, it's kind of exactly what Kevin is saying, survive so we can thrive later, you know, maybe don't expect it to be what it was last year. Well, and and we do have a little 30 second uh, little uh, clip from you guys. So let me play that now. Okay, that looked very much like a regular wedding show, mm-hmm. <laughs> except though there were a lot of masks. I mean, I'm assuming right. it took a lot of f- extra effort to make it feel so seamless. 
Yeah, and obviously that's a montage of everything. But for example, our fashion show, usually it's a it's kind of the focal point of the day. It's got a huge crowd of people waiting for seats. You know, they rush the seats when we open the seats. It's crazy. Yeah. They think they're at a rock concert and they're going <laughs> to you know, catch a T-shirt, which they're super excited about. But we couldn't do that. So we had to modify things like that. So that that stage stuff, that went on all day. Right. We had um, designated seating areas. People were supposed to sit you know, three seats apart from the next group. They We didn't allow any food or beverage in that area, so they couldn't take off their masks. We had it staffed, so if people took off their masks, there was someone there to hand them one at any time, which automatically prompted them to put their mask back on or, you know, put it back on both ears, not just right. <laughs> Um, you know, things like that. So we did temperature checks. We did masks. We have a partnership with Orlando Health here in Orlando, which really they provided guidance and we submitted a medical plan and we had sanitizer stations everywhere and, you know, everything we could possibly do. Right. Just the size, the sheer size of that venue is different than a room when you have 20 something foot ceilings and the airflow, you know, there just wasn't as provided everyone had their masks on or their face coverings, there wasn't as much concern as you would have in a smaller enclosed space. So that definitely benefited. Yeah. So Kevin, I mean, when you're looking at the kind of wedding show and stuff, I mean, you know, I, again, I'm going to use your, your own wording, you know, this is the year to survive and next year will be the year to thrive is our, our wedding shows a, a good location to start when you're, let's say you're a new wedding business, you, you started, unfortunately, five months before, you know, COVID hit. And now you're looking at the future. Do you feel like wedding shows is a, a great place to, to start? Maybe even yeah. to, you know, build partnerships? Oh, for sure. I, I built my whole business on a, uh, by a, a bridal fair. Um, we, I was the MC of the show, uh, the fashion show, and that really got me out in front of everyone, but just even marketing and networking and talking to everyone while you're there, you know, it's one connecting with the client, but it's also, you never know because that florist or caterer might, you know, you might develop a relationship with someone that will then turn into a long-term partnership that will get you a lot of business. So yeah, I, I really feel there's a lot of value, especially when you're starting up. And then, you know, when it comes to these kind of things, you know, Karen, what are kind of some of the costs that people can kind of expect? And did you change some of your pricing to help, you know, with the community at large when it came to this? Because and, and this is a, a raw question because I didn't do any research on that particular thing. But, you know, obviously people are in a much different financial situation right now where where there are opportunities there for people that are are trying to get their business just to, to survive. Yeah, definitely. So we do different types of space in different areas of the show. So um, our pricing is usually based on the amount of space something takes up. So we have different options for people. Um, you know, of course, we try to, you know, sometimes um, people just have people who've done multiple shows in the past are having, you know, an issue with this particular moving forward. So we always try and work work with them to figure out how we can, you know, work with them on the pricing or the payment terms or staggering things, you know, whatever we can do to make it work. We always do. Um, one of the things we've talked about in the past with some of the associations too, is um, offering some sort of incentive, you know, so for, if it's a group like an association where they're bringing in, um, they want to offer that to their members, we'll work with the group to provide some sort of, 
um, incentive for them to come and do the show. Maybe they can all be together, you know, since they do work together a lot. And then they have a lot of credibility that I feel we like to show that to our attendees, that we have good companies that are there that are trustworthy, that belong to these organizations and, um, you know, work together. And I think that really helps just providing, you know, yeah. Well, well, because it sounds like it's a real community and it is actually like a much like an association. And and Kevin, I know that one of your your points is how to lean on your association during this tough time. I mean, when you say lean on your community, lean on your association, what are you what are you saying? What do you mean? Well, so I came, you know, I'm the international president of WIPA for the next uh, 31 days. Um, and then we turn it over Good to Megan. For you. Lee. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm done. I'm out. And then it's Megan's uh, turn. But, but you know, we built a sense of community when, you know, the pandemic hit. It was actually, I remember sitting with Megan at uh, Cater Source and TSC in Vegas as this whole thing was unfolding. And we were like, we got to do something and spring into action. And so we opened up and started doing, we produced over 50 webinars for um, not just our members, but the wedding industry as a whole, which has turned then got us members because we had people telling us that once, you know, once we get things get back to whatever normal is, and once we get back to doing things that we're going to join, we've actually, we've, uh, WIPA has gained members through there. So, you know, it's, it's about having a sense of community, you know, everyone's going through this, who can I talk to? Who can I rely on? You know, who can I bounce ideas off of? And that's, right. I mean, that's all being part of association. It's, it's important to have people to talk to and and know that you're not in this alone. And and what would make a great, you know, since we're talking about more specifically about wedding shows and the community that, that develops out of that. I mean, when you're talking to a bride and you have a short period of time to get your messaging across, what are some of the some tips for vendors to get their, their messaging across in a short period of time, especially when it comes to a wedding show, because, you know, you have about 10 seconds. Sure. I think asking questions, you know, making yourself approachable, not just, you know, you're not there to just shove cards in people's faces. I try and let our vendors know to not worry so much about making sure they see everybody. Mm-hmm. Just be ready, like you're saying, just be ready to talk to and try and develop some sort of rapport with the people who are interested in talking to you. So that's key. Right. And, you know, asking questions, it, it may not, you know, you may be a photographer, but you might ask them, hey, have you found your venue yet? And maybe you have some photos with you on your iPad of venues that you've shot at. And that's what they want to see. And you can show them that today. And they say, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about this or this place. And you can pull that up and show it to them. And, you know, you're giving them information. That's what I always try and tell our vendors. Um, Try and be a resource. You be the expert. The more you can provide information and ideas and assistance, and especially now, you know, that's really how we kind of um, just really stress to the attendees of the show. Right. Our vendors are there to help you. They're there to help you find flexible solutions. You know, wedding planning is still happening and you can still have your wedding and there's lots of ways to do it. And that's what our vendors are there to help you with. And of course, you're going to find you still need those services at the end of yeah. the day, but it's the people who provided that assistance to you and gave you ideas. And the, the couples really appreciate that. I feel like they come away from the events 
feeling that wasn't what they expected. They feel like people are really trying to help them and trying to provide information. Well, well, and Kevin's the owner of Fantasy Sound Event Services. I'm assuming that you're still the owner of Fantasy Sound Event Services. I am. Right? And so obviously you've done a million of these these wedding shows. What are are some tips for like somebody that's in your position to, first of all, maximize that shorter period of time that you're meeting with with a bride and how important are referrals? Oh, well, lots of questions there. For me, when we were doing bridal uh, shows, the biggest thing was to be fun and be different. So, um, you know, like I've started out as a DJ company many, many years ago, and then we've grown into lighting production and, and decor and that kind of stuff. But when we first started, all the other DJs had all their equipment there and their lights were flashing everywhere. And we started going to the bridal shows without any DJ equipment because really at a wedding, they're not buying DJ equipment. They're buying the person that's actually DJ in their wedding. That's so true. that made us stand out different. And then we would give them, you know, we many years ago would give everyone a rose that walked through and, you know, so having some little catchy thing to have fun with people, I, I mean, it goes a long way. And even when we were hosting the shows, I mean, we would have fun and really get them excited. And, you know, that just let your personality come through because you only have that short amount of time. And then that's where I think then the other vendors and the other people that are exhibiting there start seeing you and then they want to connect with you. And that's where the relationships and the networking comes. And what was the last part? I'm sorry, Keith, I forgot. Oh, no. And how important are referrals from other companies? Oh. Uh, well, for me, there, that's everything. I mean, you will want to, uh, you know, that's the goal, you know, being on that preferred vendor list, especially for like a venue, you right. know, that's, that's where I get more, I get more money from that than I will get more referrals than I would for, from any other, you know, the not bridal shows, anything. I mean, that's where the gold is, but it takes time. You, it's, it's, it's a relationship. It doesn't happen overnight. And you got to remember that it takes time. And if you go into it that, Hey, I want to get on that preferred vendor list and you know that it's going to be a three, four year investment, then, right. then you're going to, you're going to eventually get on that list and you'll do it the right way. But if you walk up to that venue owner at the bridal show and just say, Hey, uh, here's my information and add, add me to your list, you're going to get nowhere. Right. right. Well, and Marcy. Uh, yes. For a, um, for somebody who's a new exhibitor, somebody who's never exhibited at a wedding show before, what would you say to them as if they asked you, do I need to have a professional booth made by an exhibitor company? Or do you think it's better that I do my own thing? to show my, you know, show my wares. That's a Karen. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that depends. They can certainly, we certainly have companies that come in and have a professional company come in and, and do that. And it obviously usually gives them a great presence. Um, I think it depends on the company, you know, and, and their creativity and, and what they're trying to accomplish. I think one of the most important things is that their booth is conveying what they do. Um, a lot of times, you know, there's flowers everywhere and they're not a florist, they're a photographer. <laughs> right. you know, or there's photos everywhere and they're not a photographer. So I think, you know, kind of like Kevin's saying, kind of come up with a theme, come up with, um, you know, something about your booth that's going to make you stand out and be a little different and catch people's eye, catch people's interest. That's the key, a hook, something that's right. going to bring them in is more important than just making it pretty, in my and, opinion. And, so. and is it all about the free gift? <laughs> because, because <laughs> you know, it's it's incredible how many brides would come by and be like, what are you giving away? 
<laughs> yeah. You but, know, I mean. Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of it. And I think they expect it from these events. And we do giveaways, but we do them and we incorporate them in the event itself. So, you know, a lot of times companies will do something separate that they're registering people for at their booth. And, and that's fine. Um, I think the mindset behind that from the vendor's perspective is to get everybody to come by and sign up with them at their booth. And again, I go back to that's a waste of your time because you need to be talking to that person that saw you and got, was interested for one reason or another. And now you're communicating with them and you're, you're, you know, but meanwhile, someone's coming by to sign up for your giveaway or 10 other people are interrupting you to do that. You know, so we, like we would never do the, um, the passport thing where people have to sign in at every booth, you know, though. Oh, no, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Well, because I saw Kevin shake his head, you know, that the, the, the gift thing was a, was a thing. So Kevin, what, what's your, your experience when it comes to that? We, I learned a lot, like you said, that, what are you giving away? What do you have? And that's, they, they want something, you know, when they're, when they're there. So you got to give them some kind of hook to get them uh, interested. But I also found like when we would do the roses at the events, you know, and we would put, we would tie ribbon with our logo and, and information on it. So everyone then is walking around with a rose with our logo on it. So then we're getting marketing throughout the entire show as well. So just have some little fun, free gift. And, you know, we've tried a bunch of different things, but for us, the roses were the, you know, I talked to my uh, uh, florist friend. He would go to the flower market and get me a bunch of roses, and he would make me dethorn them ourselves because he didn't want to put in. You know, we had to put in a little bit of work and tie a little yeah. thing in there. But we'd show up with about 200, 300 roses and give them away. So, well, and that's actually people- what I what we did for the last show that we did in March is that we actually gave away flowers. Well, our booth was all made out of flowers, so we were just mm-hmm. pulling them from the booth. No, the- <laughs> there you go. Because, <laughs> like, what what else are you going to do? But you know, um, and. And one of the things that I really loved about um, with the uh, Florida Wedding Expo is that they really depend on associations to help build their audience. And I love the fact that that they were like, no, we want the associations in here. And I feel like that's a super important. And that kind of leads me to my next question. Like, how does a bride know that they're talking to somebody of quality? And I'm going to direct that to Kevin first. How, does it, how, how would a bride know that she's found a booth and that that's somebody of quality? Ooh, that, that's a good question. I would say, you know, maybe going into it, doing the research and looking on the association pages to see if these people are connected. That would be the way I would think about it. I, I don't, you know, that's a, that's a good question. Maybe Karen can help with that. Well, as well. and I was wondering if it, does it make sense to have like at your booth, uh, the associations that you're involved with? Like, do you have proud member of NACE? Do you have proud member yeah. of WIPA kind of listed there? Um, as part of your, your booth to, in order to get that, that across that not only are you a vendor, but you belong to multiple associations that you, that you are a part of, because those associations all have obviously some kind of code of ethics that the, the people that are part of them have to follow. Correct. And I would say you put that out there, but the average we, we've learned just in trying to market, you know, the association to, to, B2C, uh, right. you know, they don't know what WIPA is or what it stands for. It, it means more to us as wedding professionals. So it's hard to 
bridge that gap. I think it does help because it does give you legitimacy. Like when you have the letters after you, know, like you said, CPCE, I'm a CPCE as well, but the average, my, you know, my relatives, I, I had it on my Facebook page for a while and they're like, what's a CPC, you know, like no one knows, <laughs> but it means something in our industry, you know? So, right. uh, you know, just having that out there, I think gives you a little bit of legitimacy, but uh, you know, sometimes too, I think the people that are walking around the fairs are just, you know, looking for the lowest price person. And sometimes that's not always, you know the best either you know because we're not we're not far. the lowest price person you know right. well and i don't think you anybody would want to go with somebody that's low price because yeah you know i, I just saw a meme this morning that was showing us a, a carved staircase and the next to it was the staircase but with some toy attached to it and it says that's what happens when your you know bride asks you to cut your price is that the, the sometimes the quality goes down as well um and talking about quality so karen why why does what is different about the Florida Wedding Expo compared to all these other wedding expos that are out there? Why should a bride come to you and come to your show? Um, So probably the number one thing is that we have very strong attendance, always very high attendance, but we also have qualified attendees and motivated attendees. And that's all due to advertising. So there are a lot of shows um, it costs a lot of money to advertise in like actual mainstream advertising, social media. You know, there's a lot of different avenues for that still. Um, but actual paid advertising is not something that typically most shows spend a lot of money on. So we do. <laughs> and that's the difference in getting the type of attendees that we get there because we're getting people at the beginning of their wedding planning process rather than just relying on the hundred vendors that are coming to the show to tell their brides about the show. And you tell your brides, I tell my brides, everybody comes and that's great, except that 70% of them have found everything except maybe the honeymoon you know, or not as qualified and they're not as motivated. And then that does trickle down to what are you giving away? Because maybe they're not really walking around trying to find a venue or trying to find a DJ. They already have all that and they just want to maybe win some prizes today. So go ahead. Spurs on another question regarding the brides or the couples that are coming in. What would you tell the people that are attending, is there anything that they can do in advance of attending to prepare for the day of the show? What kind of homework would you tell them to do? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So we keep in touch with them, you know, in advance, you know, we do a lot of social media. We, we provide a lot of exposure for our vendors on social media and um, on our websites, they can look up, vendors in advance and they can find a list of the vendors that are going to be at the show so they can kind of research them ahead of time. Um, so a lot of times, you know, they do, if they're, if they're doing their homework, they do come and they have specific, you know, goals of meeting particular people, either a particular vendor or specific categories, you know, here I'm shopping for this, this, and this today, you know, I think that depends a lot on the stage of planning they're in too. you know, maybe the first time they're coming and they just want to take it all in and kind of get a sense of what's out there. And, you know, and we, we do tell brides that, you know, that's one of the um, or couples that that's one of the things we recommend that, you know, they kind of 
drill down what are they looking for. Try not to get overwhelmed. Try not to do, you know, sure, they can plan their whole entire wedding in one day. Right. Not going to happen. You know, kind of focus on what it is you want to accomplish. Well, yeah. Kevin, and Kevin, you're you're the owner of a business. I mean, what what are you focusing on when it comes to marketing? E- even if it's not a show specific, what are, what is something that that people out there can do in order to survive? Twenty. Uh, well, right now, I think it's staying positive. I mean, in, in everything you're putting out there and and what you're doing and showing, you know, you may be showing like for us in California, we're, we've been locked down. We haven't been able to do anything. Uh, and we just went even backwards, uh, you know, so the little bit we were we were going to do 10 weddings uh, in December and that all got shot, you know, so we're trying to remain positive and, and not, you know, what was me out in the media and keep it you know, going forward in a positive manner. I think that's the biggest thing, especially like with our Instagram and, you know, we've had to pivot, you know, and start showing, you know, we start celebrating people's anniversaries and looking back and doing just different things to keep showing fun, different things. So. Well, and then, and so you brought up pivoting and I know it's like going to be the word that everybody hates in 2021, please. I never want to hear the word pivot again, but when we are talking about 2020, the Florida wedding expo, how have you guys pivoted in order to meet the the new world that we're in? Sure. Sure. Well, um, for the shows, um, we did a lot of different things. Like I mentioned earlier, we had to modify a lot of things just for safety reasons. We also streamed the show. We did real live, um, real time streaming the day of the show. Um, we had a great partner with one of our photography and video companies, which was PB and J studios. And they, um, live streamed the event. They went around the whole entire day, interviewed every vendor that was there. We sold tickets to that. So it was a lower price ticket, but that way, Um, We did some prize giveaways as well. So that way the people who weren't comfortable coming or couldn't come for whatever reason could also be part of the show. And we're, you know, providing that as a service to our vendors there as well. So we didn't, you know, they didn't get charged for that. They were just part of the live stream because they were part of the show. So they had the benefit of that. And that had some really good traction after the event as well. Right. That's one of the things I think with live streaming and a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that's happening online now instead of um, in person, right. I think it's great. And obviously it's serving the pur- purpose for right now, but I also think it has legs for the future. So when you create this content, at least that's our plan. When we create some of this content that we're using online now, right. we wanna, that's one of the reasons why we're redoing our website is to have a home for all of it. Because even under normal circumstances, the show happens on a Sunday and two weeks later, there's new brides. There's not another show for three months. So all that information that we can now pull out of the shows and create content with, you know, we'll have that as a resource for prospective people who get engaged later. And then also to continue to promote our vendors who were there. Right. So So are are these shows based on quarterly per region or how does that work? They're pretty much quarterly. We do them um, kind of seasonally. So January, um, February is always a big time of year for shows in general. Obviously, with a lot of engagements happening over the holidays, that's just kind of prime time. Um, So we typically do a January show and then we'll do a spring show. And then there's also sort of a summer engagement, um, another uptick in engagements over the summer, typically. So we'll also do a summer show. And then just depending on the market, we'll, um, 
either do a fall show, add a fall show or do a summer or fall show type of thing. And are they done by region? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because I know you were here in South Florida for like one show and I told everybody that was the best show that I'd been in. And then of course it was six years, I think. Yeah, <laughs> before, it was, it was, before I was like, come on. We did two shows in South Florida um, and then it was several years before we came back and did a show three days before the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, so one of the challenges that we have and kind of what I mentioned before was that we have the um, the luxury of having these huge event spaces in Orlando. Um, you know, Orlando is just a big convention based market. So besides the Con- Orange County Convention Center, even the hotels here have just huge venue space. That is not the case in most markets. So it's really challenging for us to find the right venue where we can have the size show that supports the advertising that we do for the show. Right. So that's what's happened in Miami. We had a couple of great venues that we were able to have shows at. Everything else I found is just a very unique market. No one has parking, you know, no one has this, no one has that. So welcome um, to Florida. South Florida. (laughs) Drive by drop off. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Drive by drop off. So, so Kevin, you, you were, I'm going to, I'm going to brag on you a little bit because you were actually just named one of the top three speakers at the nation, NACE experience conference before all this happened, you know, and as somebody that is a national speaker, what are you finding that businesses are wanting to learn? What is the the one thing that they're going, you know, I need to get continuing education about this now that I have time. It usually a lot of it comes down to social media, marketing, tech, you know, stuff that they don't. We're all really good at our art, you know, whatever your art is. You're, if you're a florist, if you're, you know, a DJ band, whatever it is, that, that consider that your art. We're all really good at your art, but in the wedding industry, we're not very good at on the business side of things. And I think the people that really run their business are really strong with their business are the ones that are really thriving, especially in these times. So, you know, looking at customer service ideas, you know, marketing, you know, how can we get stronger, better at our marketing? You know, I've been doing this a long time and I, I never close my ears and I'm always trying to learn something new and different because you know the next great idea might be around the corner at the next association meeting or you know the next uh, conference you attend you know I always feel like you know wedding MBA just happened last month and it was all virtual but you know sometimes I go to wedding MBA and it's a little it's sometimes it's a little remedial but but you walk away with a couple of great ideas and that, that gives you the reason to go back, you know, cause if that couple of great ideas are going to make you several thousand dollars, then it's worth going back and learning a couple new good ideas. So. Well, and I think that's actually important to, to say is that, you know, if you're not good at managing your business, you're not going to be able to be part of a wedding show next year because you, no. you know, and I think that's even become even more so during obviously this time, because, you know, there were people that, you know, were very careful before they walked into this. And, you know, and I was lucky because I was actually slowing down for summer for, I, you know, I'm not going to say that I was great at business. I, it was horrible time, but you know, because as a, as a small business, a lot of times we do go from event to event We're we're really literally on the go. And then having a moment to stop and kind of focus on what should our marketing dollars be spent on moving forward is, 
a blessing in disguise in a lot of ways because I was able to go after my CPCE, after my um, CPW, right, Certified Wedding Planner, CWP, uh, and I was able to start really looking at some of these these shows. Are you starting to see, Kevin, are you starting to see this kind of happening all over the industry that people are taking this time to really sharpen their skills? Oh, yeah, by far. So everyone's been, you know, like even just a simple thing as a contract. Um, I've learned more about contracts this year than I think I ever have. Um, you know, so just even because I think people just keep using the same old contract over and over again. And, you know, what what was in my contract that protected me from the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I was very fortunate that we redid our contract about four years ago and we had in our force majeure clause, uh, one of the things that was in there that was listed was a government shutdown. So we were covered, but, you know, like I have friends that weren't covered. So, right. you know, I think really looking at your, your policies, your procedures, your SOPs, this is a time to really kind of scratch what you're doing and start over. I mean, I've had so much time. I've reorganized our, our entire warehouse, you know, like we've, everything's now clean and organized. And I, I mean, I kept finding things in our warehouse. I'm like, we haven't touched this in 12 years. What do we still have it for? You know? So, I mean, it's been, you know, a time to really look at, you know, from your website, we all, we read every page on our website just to make sure, is it still relevant? Is the text on there still current? Is it still what we want people to see and do? Cause we get busy and we don't have time to do the little minutia things in our business. Yep. And then, you know, and that, that the little minutia things, unfortunately are the stuff that will set you apart from someone else because, you know, you could have, Hey, back in 1989, I did that, you know, like your website's so old that it has old dates on it and different things, you know, like you really need to keep all that stuff up and we get busy and we forget about all that stuff. Yeah. How do you, so uh, I'm going to direct this question actually to both of you. How do you, oops, hello, Sorry, that. no, it's all good. Um, so um, how do you think that COVID, yeah, well, welcome to live TV. I, how, how do you think has this experience this year changed the wedding industry forever? What are some of the changes that you see that have happened that are going to be with us no matter what? Karen? Um. That's a really good question. Right. So, and, I'll, and I'll direct it to both of you so that way it's not heaped on. on have, what kind of changes have you seen, both yeah. bad and good, that you feel are going to be with us moving forward? I think I people think, are. Oh, I'm sorry. You go no, ahead. no, go for it. Go for it. I Karen. think definitely people are going to rethink how many people need to come to their wedding. I think that's probably the primary thing, you know, where we may not need to invite everybody we've ever met. And, we're right. with. and you know, what, what do we really need to accomplish with our wedding? And maybe, yes. I think maybe they'll understand that it's more about the experience and, you know, creating an experience for your guests and, creating something around, you know, getting married. And that's the real point of, of this event is that you're getting married, the person you love and, you know, not necessarily having a wedding or a party for 300 people. Right. You know? So I think hopefully that will bring, you know, obviously it, it means the budget might change for, you know, for the vendors and what their the revenue that they're going to be taking away. But right. I think there's always ways around that and there's ways to grow based on, you know, based on that, but I think think keep, keeping things a little simpler yeah. um, is probably going to be the next simple. I think will be the next. You know, thing. I think so too. 
to be honest. I really do. I think that, you know, Corona gave everybody an excuse not to go to a wedding of your boss or, yeah. you know, a third cousin that because they came to yours and Corona gave us the, the, the ability to say, no, you know what? I really want to stay home. And I feel like that's going to continue. Kevin, what about you? What are, what do you think is going to be like the, the thing that happened that's going to stick with us? And I'll tackle it from maybe running a business, you know, so I think uh, Zoom is, you know, meeting with your clients virtually is is going to be a thing. Um, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. And so, you know, I'm I'm about an hour without traffic from San Francisco. And I have a lot of clients that drive to me from San Francisco, from San Jose, from all over. But now we're finding that we can get the same kind of stuff done. Uh, virtually, you know, so having a Zoom or whatever platform you're going to do is going to be more acceptable with clients. And, right. you know, so you're going to be able to, you know, so you're going to have to have a good photo gallery ready to go to present to people. And, you know, you're going to need to be prepared differently for meetings than you needed to, to do. But I think it's we're going to save time and money by doing that. I also think we're going to trim the fat, you know, so um, looking at some of these subscriptions that you may have that you signed up for something or looking at, you um, you know, I bought this piece of tech and I'm not really using it, or I have equipment here that I, you know, I, I bought, you know, this, this big piece of of equipment, but I'm not using it. It doesn't sell. I think people, those kind of things are going to be going as well. But then I think people are going to be focusing a lot on their social media engagement and really trying to stay, you know, top of mind with all that kind of stuff as well. So. Well, Karen, you brought up um, creating an experience, which I found fascinating. Do you feel like you're creating an experience with the wedding expo? Like, is uh, are you creating an experience for the brides that come? And are you still seeing excitement when it comes to planning a wedding with those brides? Sure, sure, definitely. I think they're they're super excited. I think they're just waiting to be able to be excited, you know, and to get out there. And that's what we saw at the event that we just had. Because like, as I mentioned, we did a live stream, a virtual version of the event. And we were selling, we were advertising it, selling tickets to it. And people would click on those ads and buy tickets to come in person because they wanted to be there. So the vast majority of people, you know, obviously some people can't come for whatever reason, but the vast majority were just excited to be there. And then when they were there, definitely that's what I heard from 99% of the vendors was that the bright, you know, the people that were there were just so excited to be there. So open to information, um, you know, so definitely that I feel like is what's coming for 2021 and 2022 is just a huge need. Um, and they're happy to be engaged. So with that comes, you know, the excitement part of it, um, you know, right. so I, I, and as far as a um, experience, right. that's always our goal. So we try as much as we can ourselves and what we're producing with the show to, you know, as much as we kind of have a tried and true version and, you know, kind of the, you know, how we do the shows, that doesn't really change much because that's the basics and that's what we do and it works and we keep it organized. But, you know, with technology or with social media, how whatever we can do to integrate in the show to make it more interesting and more fun and for those people that are coming to have a great day with whether it's with their fiance or with their friends. Yeah. That's what we're always trying to do. So we encourage our vendors to do that as well. Um, I was saying earlier, a lot of our, and it's kind of along the lines of what Kevin was saying with the preferred list. 
because um, I know exactly what you're saying. A lot of times new vendors, they're coming at you with their business card, like, here, put me on your list. I'll put you on mine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Constantly. but I, I find our vendors at the shows a lot of times they take it, you know, it's they're not a venue. So they don't necessarily have a preferred list, but they all like to work with their certain group of, you know, companies. And not to say that it's, you know, a click per se, or that it's only them. They have a pretty broad base of different companies that they work with. But a lot of times um, I'll encourage them to kind of create an area together. And sometimes we'll have three or four companies that take down the pipe and drape between their booths and make one big space. So right. you have the planner and the decorator who's going to kind of fix it all up and theme it throughout the thing for everybody. But then when the attendees walk into that space, it's an experience because now they're seeing, you know, everything and how it clump- complements each other and works together. And then those vendors refer each other throughout the whole process. So after they're done talking about their, you know, venue or whatever, right. it is, they're asking them, hey, do you need a DJ? Oh, neat meet Kevin, you know, he's right here. That's a big part of, you know, just the whole community of it. And Kevin, I'm going to, you know, do you feel like obviously people are struggling to make the, make the ends meet? Do you feel like people should slash their prices in order to land the business? No, I'm very against that. So um, you need, because it's, if you go backwards, it's going to take you so much long, you know, longer to get back to where you were charging. So um, little things we've been doing is just like uh, waiving delivery fees or just little things like that. So we're not slashing our actual prices, but we're giving them a little something, um, you know, that that's gone a long way with people. So, you know, where in the past I would not waive a delivery fee and this is what it costs and this is what it is. I I think we're going to have to give a little, in that aspect, but I don't think slashing your prices is, is, is a smart move. Well, and because there's a real balance there. And when you talk about B2B, what do you do about other businesses that are slashing their prices that may be your direct competition? You know, do you do you follow the line, so to speak, and and go, okay, well, at least I'm, I'll meet that price, or do you hold your own line? I, I think you hold your own line. I think, and it's a tough thing to do, but I think in the end, um, you know, because they're going to run themselves ragged and the quality is not going to be there for them. So that'll right. lead to bad, bad, you know, reviews and, you know, all that stuff for them. And in the end, if you're still providing the quality, cert, you know, like I, I'm honest with people, I can't do that for that price and give you the quality that you would expect from me, uh, you know, period. And, and and that and that resonates with them. I just recently had a phone call with someone that had um, better price on drapery and a better price on lighting, but then ended up going with me because I explained that you know, like when we do our drapery, we steam it on site before we leave. You know, and oh, every every piece hello. of our drapery is washed uh, in between every use. So, you know, so that's something different that I know that other company they were comparing us to did not, does not do. And so they understand the value there. So if there, if there, there's a value there, I think people will still pay for it. Even, even in the pandemic time. I think you did a great job in explaining where you think the industry is going towards with regards to the um, business to business portion of uh, technology. Um, I want to hear from Karen. Where would you? Where do you see the technology aspect going in the way of the the, the wedding shows? Do you think that technology is going to play a bigger role in that, or do you think it's going to kind of get trickled back into being the way that we used, you know, the traditional way that we've seen shows? 
Sure. Do you think like, I mean, like, are we going to see like maybe virtual reality or phones are going to have diagrams on them or such, you know, something of that nature? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We're still, we, um, we introduced a, um, we used an app at our last show so that we could have contact as much as possible contactless registration um, going. So that really helped. So we, um, you know, we like that concept of integrating, you know, rather than people having to fill out forms all the time, integrating the technology along those lines. Um, as far as the virtual, I think, you know, that can still become, remain part of the shows. I think it's something that people want to come. Um, but I think at least for the short term, just incorporating social media and we always incorporate social media in our shows anyway. So we have a big presence on social media the day of the show. So live real time. So I think that's just going to continue to, um, definitely continue to happen. But I just think things that are very happening mainly because of the pandemic Yes, as it relates to weddings, I don't know that those things are definitely going to continue because I feel like people don't want that. Right. <laughs> you know, I feel like there is a desire to just get back to the way we were doing things, you know, but um, I think we're learning a lot from it just across, you know, across all areas. Well, and you've seen everything. I mean, both of you have seen everything when it comes. And, and so now we're going to have a little fun because I want to hear like your story about Karen, like the worst booths you've ever seen. And you don't have to name names. I'm just, you know, that you've seen a million different booths. What, what yeah, was one? The worst and the best. Yes. Worst and best. Like what is the worst case scenario where you went? Really? Why did you even bother? I just got mm-hmm. like, okay. <laughs> no, but like, you know, I mean, because I think I find that fascinating, you know, what to avoid. Mm-hmm. Well, the best. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's like, let me just scoot right back. So, yeah. I mean, we have, it runs the gamut. So, right. um, you know, we have a company, we have one particular company that does our shows in Orlando that um, they represent a couple of venues. They own a venue. They have rental uh, furniture. They do all kinds of different things. And they've had spaces at our show that up to, I think, about 14 plus booths where wow. they had that that much square footage at our show and basically overnight set it up to where it's like a I mean, you walk in and you're like, this is amazing. You know, it's just furniture. It's just, it's an experience within itself. And I feel like, you know, obviously not every company has the ability to do something like that, but they can take that idea and understand how just immersing your booth in what it is you're trying to showcase Yes. Is the key, you know, and that when someone walks in, even if it is into your little 10 by 10 space, they feel like they're in your space and they're in, you know, and that can be done. There's, I mean, from the floor up, I have companies that come in and they put in their own floor above carpet, you know, where they didn't need to, but they wanted right. that feel of a wood floor, you know, and photographers who, basically you feel like you're in their photography studio because they have walled panels with their art, you know, their photography art there for you to see. And that's how they can envision the photos from their wedding, you know, so taking the time to do that makes, you know, a hundred percent of the difference. And then, um, 
you know, I guess the worst is. Just, yes, yes. This is, know, I'm like, come on. You know, the, <laughs> I just don't even know. I mean, they just come in and they have their business cards and they put there. And a lot of times it's corporate, you know, right. it's the the company doesn't even know what they're doing at the booth because they've put their table in front of the booth, just like it came and they put their two chairs and they're sitting behind it and they're on their phone. Most of yes. the I usually walk around and take pictures of those people on my phone. So right. that if I hear from the company and that the show didn't work, I can show them what their staff was doing at the show. Never really happens, you know, but yeah, there's there's nothing more boring than seeing a booth with just two people both on their phone and there's a business card and you're like, okay, what what's orange.com? I have no idea. I walk up to them and ask them, you know, how's it going? And you guys have goodness. (laughs) So I guess I just I need to learn. (laughs) My phone is off, but it rings through to my computer. Oh no, 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 we understand. So I need to find the way around that. <laughs> At least it's not the old dial-up AOL. Yeah. So, yeah like, <laughs> oh my um, goodness. Well, and, and Kevin, same for you. Like, what is kind of your best and worst? You know, because you're talking to businesses all over the place, and you've seen it all. Kind of, what is your best experience and worst experience when you come to somebody in their business? Like, you know, and and it could be anything, literally anything. You know, kind of a just an example for people to see, like the difference call- between. I could say worst experience. You go to an you know association event, and I call it spray and pray. The people walk around with their business cards, and they're just like spraying and praying <laughs> and praying that someone will uh, hire them. You know, and then they get upset because then, right, uh, yeah, yeah you know, it's like they don't come to the next. They only come to one meeting, and then they're like, "Well, I didn't get any business from it." Yeah, because yeah. you didn't develop a relationship. So I, right. I think the big biggest thing is, you know, the positive thing is like out where I am, you know, I said, we're in a little wine country, uh, about an hour, uh, east of San Francisco. And we're all like family out here. You know, we know each other's family. We know, uh, their kids, we know, you know, it, 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 that, that to me is a good experience when it comes to business. We all, we're all in you know, I'm invested in other people's business because I'm friends with them and I care about them and I want them to succeed as well. So I think that's right. a good positive way of looking at it. And and I guess you're going to avoid the the worst, okay? <laughs> well, the worst would be the spray and pray. Yeah, but, uh, okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right, Karen, it's up to you, honey. You got to give it to us. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, a great Kevin question Pollard. for the both of you. Um, as far as you attending other conferences out there, is there something that you've taken away from other conferences that you feel either you've implemented or done better because you've seen it somewhere else? question yeah i i always i always feel like i take something away from any conference i go to so even if it's not necessarily related so we went to wedding mba a couple of years ago and it's not really you know it's not really geared towards what we do it's more for those companies that are there doing weddings but i felt like i learned a lot from all the speakers talking because i can always kind of convert it to something that i can use you know, so I always feel like I take away something and, you know, if, if nothing more than how can I do that better, <laughs> As right. said, you know, if you're at an event and you do see something that is either a good idea or just wasn't, you know, really wasn't executed to the best way it could be, you know, if you have an open mind, you can look at that and say, hey, that's not a bad idea, but maybe we could try it this way. Right. You know? right. 
So, and Kevin, have you started to see notice businesses pivoting because of weddings? People that wouldn't have touched weddings before are now saying, you know what, maybe we will do weddings. And, and what's the danger in that? Uh, I would say we have not seen that. I see pe- people pivoting away from weddings right now, especially, okay, you know, yeah, especially here in California. You know, you, you remember like in 2008 when the, you know, we had the economy boom, um, we had a lot of people and an influx of people come into the wedding market. Um, right. I don't know if that's going to happen this time because, you know, we, a lot of people talked about 9-11 and then 2008. Those were like short-lived you know, shorter lived than what we're experiencing. I feel like right now, I think this is longer lived and, you know, there are some harder costs to get involved. You know, you might get a handful of wedding planners that pop up through this, but I don't know if you're going to get an influx of people, uh, you know, after this pandemic comes, I I think it's going to be more the opposite where it's whoever survived is going to be busier than they've ever been. Well, and I think that the opposite may be true for like Karen, when you're talking about venues. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, it probably depends a lot on the market, but I mentioned um, our the show that we just had at the convention center, which our convention center here in Orlando is the second largest in the country. Um, they decided two weeks before the event to get a booth there and they were able to, um, so they, you know, it's owned by the county and they made the decision to do that. And they have unique spaces within the convention center that they saw potential for social in the future and they know long term what's coming, what's possibly not coming in the next yeah, couple yeah. Of years. So they did that and they're planning to do it again in January. They decorated a space as a reception. They had uh, marketing materials made. They did a photo shoot with a bride and groom in the venue that you know that we've already used. So um I don't know. I think I think there's a lot of companies that um, you know, lean towards social, whether it's decor, venues, things like that. But because of the abundance of corporate events, they right. stay away from it. But I think weddings, at least here, they're going to come back before the corporate business does. You know, there's definitely going to be weddings happening for the next two years where, you know, the the travel business bringing in, you know, huge, huge um conventions is not going to come back right away. So I think there's a need for that, at least in this market. And so we're, we're getting close to the end of our, our hour. So, but I I did want to like kind of end with, you know, your main thoughts and I'll start with Kevin about what a business can do or what is the one area that they need to be focused on in order to survive this moving forward. Uh, I, I, I talked about it earlier. It's staying positive, you know, in, in having that positive attitude with uh, your clients and that we're all in this together and that we're going to get through it. And, you know, um, I think that's the biggest thing. It just I, I've come across, especially like because I'm in California and we are so locked down that, you know, it's doom and gloom here and the, the world is ending. And the more we can stay positive through this, I, I think the, the better you're going to become. The other thing, too, is it's kind of silly, but not is, is everyone's going to have bigger savings accounts than they ever have. Um, you know, as you go through this, because, you know, you never realize you needed how much savings we needed to get through something. Well, I think everyone's going to build their savings accounts are going to be bigger than ever. Oh my God. So true. Believe me. I I am like, okay, squirrel an array of, you know, 30 to 50% of every dollar that comes in. I'm like, Nope. Yeah, put that away. I don't want to. I don't want to. Can't touch even it. ask for a raise. <laughs> no raise for you. <laughs> I'm just happy I'm still employed. I'm like, you know, a month of <laughs> I'm not good. 
And then Karen, right, what a, what is a um, some good advice for somebody that has never done a wedding show before and is is looking to do their first one? Well, call us. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're in Florida, um, we'll find a there for you. But um, definitely, I think it's one of the best ways for new companies um, or companies that are pivoting or you know looking to this industry, you know as where they hadn't been before. I think it's probably the most direct and the the fastest results, the most efficient way that they can, you know, start advertising, get their name out there, meet people, get that exposure. And of course, develop developing those relationships with, you know, other people in their industry is, is key too. So I think exactly right, you know, staying positive and realizing that, you know, Every little bit will lead to something bigger in the future and just trying to build those steps now and spending your marketing dollars smartly, you know, like definitely realizing that if you're going to be in business next year or in five years, you have to have a marketing budget and you have to spend money on advertising or else you're not going to have a business. But, you know, make sure you're spending it smart and that you're getting something from it, not just because that's what, you know, I think you should do you know put some research and homework into it well and if you go to weddingiq.com you can get some great resources there about how to do your uh, how to support your own business and if you're looking for obviously a future wedding show here in florida definitely check out the bridal expo thank you both for being part of behind the veil i think everybody can agree that there's actually light at the end of the tunnel now i'm so excited right i think 2021 is going to be the year for all of us and i thank you both for being uh, a part of today's program and so uh any other questions ladies and gentlemen out there marcy brooke you're good we're good super great Awesome, guys. Thank Thank you so much much for being behind the veil. Um, Again, uh, we will be here next Tuesday at 2 o'clock, every Tuesday at 2. And until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.